Thanks to the Diamond Tina Podcast Network, this is more Fired Up! You're so right, Dennis Hanahan, it is more Fired Up. Well, first time for everything. Ha! But once again, we're without Stephen Ferris. Yes. Where are you? Stephen, where are you? He's becoming a listener, a passenger. We do have Redfern Pat at the controls of the lunar module, so it's not all bad as we head to the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. But we will soldier on without Ferris yet again, but I'm sure he'll be back next week. He promises that he will be. I can't wait. I miss him so. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think he's actually in the room of mirrors ref- reflecting on his average performance at Origin 2, and he wants to lift his game for Origin 3 in the decider. But we'll come to that later. Of course, we're coming straight off the back of the Logies last night. Dennis, did you enjoy the presentation? You were there, I assume. Um, no, I, I didn't get the invite this year. didn't get a bait, and so I sat at home and sulked instead. Have you ever been at the Logies or performed at the Logies? Certainly haven't performed at the Logies. Have I been? I don't, I don't think I've even been. I did go to the People's Choice Awards. Um, and I don't know if you remember the People's Choice Awards because the Logies is Channel 9 and which, which is it TV Week. Yes, which, it's is owned, TV which is owned by <laughs> Channel Nine, and or it used to be. Now maybe Channel Nine is owned by TV Week, or is it the same sort of the same organizer? I don't know. There's so many cross media ownerships, but this one was done by an, an alternative magazine, which I can't remember what it was. And, and Channel Seven had the People's Choice Awards, and these were differently voted to the Logies, but they were same, the same sort of thing. Maybe, so they were voted by people rather than robots. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's the Logies. Logies is people's vote. I think these were like industry vote or something. Uh-huh. There was some... There was yeah, some... they were called the People's Choice Award. That's very unusual, yeah, it isn't is it? That. it is that. And why were you like there? That. I was there because my, my then partner um, was a Channel 7 person. Oh, okay. And um, it was our first public outing together. And it was quite embarrassing because for I was... Her. Well, for her, it was horribly embarrassing. I was a little bit, uh, um, yeah, new to the game and doing a red carpet and I was quite terrified I saw the lovely Andrew Mikado who I knew he was interviewing people and I Super Mikado <laughs> Super Mikado and I, I sort of ran towards him on the red carpet and his line was Dennis what the F are you doing here <laughs> I was like oh yeah <clears throat> so I kind of hid with him then went inside and uh, in the pre-show the pre-show drinks um <laughs> Necked six beers way too quickly and got in and sat down to be told that oh by the way the first break is 25 minutes and you can't get up and leave your seat and I was just sitting there going I'm actually going to pee thank goodness it's a black suit so I'm going to pee in it and I sat there shaking and shaking and shaking and shaking for 25 minutes as soon as they said okay that's an ad break bang I was out and I ran up went to the bathroom had one of the most relieving moments of my life came back down obviously the the keg was tapped and in the next ad break I was again dying so I've run up and there's this huge rumour that uh, that you know that I had a, an issue where at the TV, you know, People's Choice Awards, I kept going to the toilet and coming back, going to the toilet looking agitated and coming back looking calm and confident. <laughs> there was a suspicion that it was uh, substance abuse. Oh, surely not. Surely not at an entertainment event. And, Unthinkable. And given it was your first outing with your partner, I imagine based on your performance, she very quickly became your ex-partner or she hung in there for a while? <laughs> no, she hung in there for a while. She toughed it out. Um, I didn't go to a lot of things. <laughs> After that. Well, you mentioned Andrew McCarter. He, of course, wrote The History of Australian Soap Opera. Oh, super Aussie. Super Aussie Soap. Do you have yes. a copy of that? Of course I do. So do I. I mean, I regard that as a, like, it should be a prescribed HSC text. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I, I don't know why I haven't got it autographed. Yeah, because, I mean, we all know about Home and Away and Neighbours, and then we oh. remember iconic shows like Number 96 and the like, The Box, but it tells you the stories of the ones that are 
Forgotten, Taurus rising. In fact, that's that's what, that's what Andrew Mikado seems to like the most. Oh, I agree. Forgotten, the one episode is the, well, those things. That's what he really celebrates. Two that come to mind, and we are covering the NRL round fifteen in forensic detail well, in this a, show. And, and, and what could be more appropriate than talking about Super Aussie soaps <laughs> if we're going to talk about rugby league? Do you remember? In fact, Andrew, why isn't rugby league in your book? <laughs> why haven't they made a rugby league soap opera? Surely it's crying out because the game is built on soap opera. Uh, that quote uh, copyrighted by Todd Greenberg. Um, one was Kings. Do you remember Kings? I remember the chapter on Kings more than I remember Kings. So I remember. Look, you know, I had a friend John Osborne who used to get onto these shows, and as soon as he started watching them, they closed them. Kings, I think, went for two episodes, and it was launched with much fanfare. And it was uh, the King family were tow truck drivers. Yes. In the west of Sydney. <laughs> and the titular head of the family uh, was Ed Devereaux, of course, um, of, of his Us. perfect role as Matt Hammond and Skippy. Yep. And Melissa Jaffa. So they were the, the two heads of the, the family. And it was the, you know, tow truck wars, you know, all the nefarious yep. things that people do to get to the crash earlier. And it crashed. It only lasted two episodes. I wow. Think. And the other one is Starting Out. Do you remember Starting Out? I don't out? remember Starting Out. Starting Out was the lives and loves of first-year medical students uh, at a... Uh, non-name medical university. Grey's Anatomy before Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, and um, uh, Toddy Goldsmith played the zany hairdresser who was not a student but added a lot of uh, colour and verve. But the, they had a running joke that the dean of the medical school's last name was Dean. So it was... Dean Dean. Hello, Dean Dean. And, and seriously, it was brilliant. I that never got tired of it. Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. But if we are talking Logies, and let's take the advantage to do that, because we only get to do it once a year, Tom Gleeson won the Gold Logie having run some sort of an anti-campaign, and uh, that'll be playing out in the press this morning, because his acceptance speech, I think, broke new records in terms of time taken. But it reminded me of Norman Gunston's campaign, who was the first person to run a Logies campaign. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember. Too young? No, I'm not too young. I do, I'm, I'm, it's just there's a lot of cobwebs around some of those memories. So I'm trying to. I, I do recall Norman Gunston winning the Gold Logie, and I recall him. Did he win it? Yeah, he won and it. He, and he took it with him absolutely everywhere. He'd go to interviews and he'd carry the Gold Logie with him. Yeah, and, and so he sort of stated he had two ambitions one was to win a Gold Logie, and the other was to get a fabulously well paid cigarette commercial. He fell short on the second one because he actually got a fabulously well paid. Cigarello <laughs> commercial. They were called Dukes, and he sort of sort of did a parody of a Western theme with these like mini cigar things, right? Oh wow! And he won the Gold Logie amongst much fanfare, and uh, this was a stunt he pulled a lot. But the iconic American actor Lee Marvin, yep, uh, was it Paint Your Wagon? Maybe one of the movies that Lee was in, um, presented the award. So Norman goes up on national television, and he goes. So, uh, Mr. Marvin, how about an autograph? And Lee Marvin looks nonplussed and he goes, well, well, I guess so. And he goes, do I make it out to dear Lee? <laughs> <laughs> he, he pulled that stunt on Hugh Hefner once. He was interviewing Hugh Hefner and Barbie Benton and he did the same thing. Um, just a couple other moments to reflect on. He would on. have been a Steelers fan, wouldn't he? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Uh, Kerry O'Brien gave a very passionate defense of the ABC in getting the Hall of Fame induction, mm-hmm. which is something that you know television shares with the Rugby League Hall of Fame. And probably, like, we want a Hall of Shame for Rugby League. They should have one for TV as well. Yeah, there's plenty of grubs. But they cut to Dr. Carl, who was in tears with the passion that Kerry O'Brien was showing. And, you know, that really underlined oh, for on, me how important... Oh, hang on, Dr. Carl? Dr. Carl from Neighbours. Dr. Carl from Neighbours? Mm. 
not Dr. Carl Krasnitsky. Not Carl Krasnitsky, no. no right. Do, no, Dr. Carl Formley. And not Dr. Carl Formley, the Today Show. No. no. Or Stefanovic, though he was That's there. the one, yes. That's the one. And for the first time, I know two people who won Logies. <laughs> well, there you go. Lucy Carter from the ABC, who was a co-producer on the Four Corners episode about the Thai cave rescue. Yeah. And Costa Georgiatis. Oh, Costa. Big Roosters fan, isn't he? Uh, yeah, well, he's a, he, I hate to say this on this show. He's actually a rugby union referee. Yeah. But he is a Chooks fan. He has been on Fire Up mm-hmm. with uh, his producer mate, Sean Kennedy, and they conceived of a program which was called Costa's Garden Odyssey. Yeah, Sean Kennedy Dowell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was green lit by my friend John Gregory, who's a Dragons fan in his production company many years ago. Okay, let's let's just have a little sidebar here to say that is there anyone you don't know? Like no. you're saying this is the first time there's been two people. You're saying this is the first time there's only been two people. Previously, you've known every single one. And now, who are these people? Well, Costa is the most popular presenter in Australia, plus Gardening Australia, one of the most popular, I don't know, light entertainment show or whatever. But it was a triumph uh, for people who are not follically challenged all around the world. But yeah, Costa's a Roosters fan. And Sean came into the show and Costa, of course, talks like you and I do. And Sean is very shy. And he rang me at midnight before the episode of Fire Up and said, mate, I'm out. I can't do it. I've got nothing to say. Stephen Ferris like. Yeah, I can't keep up with you guys. It'll be a disaster. And I said, Sean, everyone has a rugby league story. So he comes to the <laughs> breakfast meeting before the show with photographs. He also had a, a Frank Hyde vinyl album, right? Priceless. Nothing to contribute. Yeah. Wow. But well, he, what, did, what did he have for breakfast? He had well, but he had pictures of him when he was a Eastern Suburbs ball boy. Oh, and on, on a tour, the Great Britain Lions toured in the early seventies, and. Sean was the ball boy at the game at the SCG when the Queen and Prince Philip arrived and did a circle of the SCG and then the Queen alighted from the vehicle. Sean was the ball boy who opened the door for Her Majesty. Wow. He then, when Eastern Suburbs... So, so here's, here's the real thing. <laughs> and he's and calling he, you he was at rugby, midnight. And he goes, he goes, I've got nothing. <laughs> He's rugby league royalty, literally. And then... Um, Did he, he just hand over the mic and say, yeah, we're done. <laughs> yeah, off you go. He then had a picture of the Roosters having won a pre-season competition again at said cricket ground, doing a lap of honour. And there is Sean at the front with Arthur Beetson running the lap of honour. And when he had to go to high school and felt he could no longer devote his services to being a ball boy, or ball kid, they probably say now, uh, Arthur Beetson gave the farewell speech. And you're this, riveted, aren't this, you? This guy's Forrest Gump. Every everything, every piece. Was he there when Carter was inaugurated? Was he there? (laughs) Zelly. Wow. Everyone has a rugby league story. The other rugby league story that's been very much in the media this week, of course, is the um, recent research on brain injury, CTE. Mm -hmm. I can't say the full thing, can you? I can't think what the T is. Yeah. But uh, the news has come through that James Graham, Peter Sterling, and pretty much all the 80s Parramatta... The uh, Premiership team are donating their brains and spinal cords to science. This has to be a good thing, doesn't it? Oh, it has to be a great thing. It is. Um, I, I find it curious they haven't named the two players who were, you know, post mortem examined. Family reasons. Family. I imagine, well, yeah. Fine, uh, you know, fair enough. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. You know, I guess just a morbid curiosity. Genuinely a morbid curiosity. Sure. Um, but no, I think that's a great thing, and it, and it is something that rugby league is going to have to deal with. Um, and all these, you know. 
the dinosaurs saying, oh, bring back the shoulder charge, bring back the biff and all that. And, uh, you know, this is showing the real consequences of that. And it is, it's a dreadful thing. Like you saw Moses Embi get taken off the other night. And um, it wasn't because of a high shot. It was just because his head was banged on the ground in a yep. tackle. And that, that sort of thing happens. And you can see how unhappy he was about being taken off. He was like, I'm fine. I am fine. And he probably did feel fine, but that's the you know the nature of this thing is you don't really feel it. It's a it's it's a build up over time. And they'll never bring back the biff because if they do that, then you'll eliminate crusher tackles, dog shots, squirrel grips, <laughs> Josh uh, McGuire, eye gouging, and everything else that our game is played with <laughs> exactly. at, at the moment. Um, just one other uh, observation before we move on to round fifteen and all that was involved. Uh, from a rugby league perspective, did you hear about the ladder of generosity that got published last week? No. What's the ladder of generosity? World Vision Australia has published the results of who are the most generous rugby league fans. So obviously they collect data as they, you know, would you like to contribute to World Famine? Yes, I would. Question two, what team do you support? Who would be the most generous rugby league fans in the NRL competition right now, Dennis? Uh... Boy, I wouldn't have thought any of them. I would have thought this is a race to the bottom. Let, let me, let me, uh, it's, it's generous. Well, the Roosters fans are probably looking for a way to um, divest some of their tax. Tax deduction. So they're up there. They, they came in third. <laughs> um, and, no, second, actually, second. And maybe the Storms? No. No? No, no. Who's, nowhere near it? Who's, who's the sort of the most disliked fan group historically? So it's sort of in their culture that out of some sort of sense of um, I want to show you up. I'm going to make you look bad because I'm going to give more. Oh, Manly? Absolutely. The Manly it's, it is Manly. Signals, yeah. Wow. And, and you know who's the worst contributors or the least contributors? The Broncos? Warriors. Warriors. I mean, they take everyone's money in the tipping competition. They may as well not but, give it back. <laughs> but hang on. Who, who did the survey? World Vision Australia. World Vision Australia. Yeah, well, so they probably didn't survey New Zealand because it's not World Vision New Zealand. That's true. So they're just they're only doing the Warriors supporters over here, and they're all you know. You'd presume they they're here on the dole. And uh, and something that I thought was almost poetic, the World Vision spokesperson said, "Lift your game, Warriors." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure if they did it in New Zealand, they'd find New Zealand is a very in. No, I, I just I, I don't like it. New Zealand is a very generous people. I won't have it. Now. Speaking of things that matters to New Zealanders, rugby union, we just need to touch once more, and maybe for the last time, but he just keeps on going, Israel fell out. <laughs> he, was, he was tweeting uh, overnight to people to back off Magda Zabanski and just to enter the debate with love, because it's all about love, isn't it? Well, we were talking before about Gleeson and his social media, his cynical social media campaign to try and get a Logie, and this is basically a cynical... So he, he, Israel Folau has become a cynical social media campaign for popularity. He just wants to have his name in the papers. He's trying to get money. He wants to increase his portfolio. He can see that his rugby career, you know, sure, he's at his pinnacle, but he knows that it's, it's, gonna, it's now going to come down. So what he's doing is he's just working up, working up, working up the profile, working it up and getting money off. Uh, well, he's found a way to make money. I always remember thinking this in the 80s, that, that the, the go would be to be a Christian heavy metal band. Yeah, sure. Well, there's plenty of those. Because it, you just make a killing and you have an audience who they'll see that it's Christian, they'll just buy it. Constant booking at Hillsong venues. Exactly. And, and they pay good coin. And the, the quintessential Christian heavy metal band, because I know there's bands like Evanescence and whatever that flirt with it, but it's, it's Striper. Oh, it's Striper, 100% Magnificent. Striper. What a great band. Oh, yeah, and great music. The, the costumes, the spandex. Oh, do they still, are they still going? Yeah, they're still going. Do they they're still, actually in Sydney about two years ago. Do they still have the physique to wear the black and yellow striped Striper? Like, oh, well, the, the s- Richmond Tigers. Was 
You know what they say, stripes are thinning. Yeah. So they're slimming. So Yeah, but if you look at Motley Crue, <laughs> like they're, they're Wow. I, I, <laughs> time forbids me to go into my Motley Crue stories, but I've got a couple. <laughs> I haven't a seen a separate podcast. I haven't seen the Netflix of the Dirt yet, but no, uh, it, it was one of the more um, poignant moments in rock and roll was seeing Mick Mars uh, playing this uh, solo on a ballad in their little um, encore on a platform in the middle of the stadium. And it went up, I don't know, about three, four stories high. And normally performers, you know, they have one of those safety belts. Yeah. But Mick, who has that, you know, ankylos spiritus or whatever it is, that sort of fusing of the bones, he just sort of shuffles to the edge of the stage and figures, if I go off, who cares? It was, <laughs> it was just a thrilling rock and roll moment. It really was. Uh, but Israel obviously will get a Logie next year in some way, shape or form, but It'll get it possibly be nominated for his performance on Sky News with uh, Alan Jones and Peter Credible. I mean Peter Credlin. Yeah. And uh, Alan said, "Now Israel, all you've done is post your beliefs, and I compare this to players who have committed domestic violence, taken drugs and alcohol, um, danced naked on balconies, and he just read an entire rugby league rap sheet. He's got the two sports confused. Alan's always had the two sports confused. He's he's it doesn't see a difference between them." Now, if we go to the round, Dennis, if we go to the round, yep. uh, it started out at Bankwest Stadium last Thursday night. Uh, it feels like ages ago, doesn't it? A long it? time ago. And uh, I think it uh, involved some questionable acts by George Burgess. And I think you're going to perhaps lead us into that narrative with the song. I'd love to. Here's George Burgess. He's a nice bloke. He likes to give other players eyes. A friendly little poke. He pokes Robbie Farah like he pokes Darlene. He got four weeks last time. He's been done for shoulder charges, chicken wings, striking and tripping. George likes giving eyes a poke. Got two weeks for a water bottle throw. He eats chicken though. He's a grub, 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 he's a grub. Here's Josh McGuire, Don't shot on Maloney. Suspended for one week, available for Origin 3. He argues Dylan Walker and Cameron Munster too. Hudson Young got five weeks, but McGuire got a find, did it again, got another find. Spud Carroll's wanting to come back, says McGuire is way off track, needs a little whack. He's a grub, 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 he's a grub. Dennis, that's the best I've ever heard you play. That was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> you did enjoy it. I noticed you weren't applauding or singing along. <laughs> well, I didn't want to spoil the moment. It was, it was like Mick Mars for Motley Crue. It was that good. It was right on the edge there, and nobody cared if it fell off. <laughs> Let's focus in on rugby league, because that's what we're here to do. Now, I was out at Bankwest Stadium, and uh, I've already been on record several times complaining about they spent millions on that joint, and it can't drain. It was just dewy, if I can use that word. And slippery, slidey. So, yeah, I wonder about the dewy and slippery, slidey because I, I don't think dew is to do with drainage because it really, every game there has been slippery. It's been, they, they, need, they need to get Freddie's soapy balls. They need to soap up Freddie's balls and take them out there because it's always slippery. Um, it is slightly lower than ground level, so I don't know if that affects water so, table. Oh, so, para- so Bankwest is sunken, is it? Yes. Right, yeah. interesting. And so I don't know if that affects the water level, but it's not, um, so it's not surface water. It is actually water, that, you know, it's, it's the dew and, and, and the way, the same, perhaps the same physical features, it gives it such wonderful sound that they claim there was, how many the people do they claim? Oh, 9,000. 9,000. 
9,000. There's no way that's a third full. No chance. Just lies. Um, but it did still sound like there was a lot of people there. And I think the same thing may well have some environmental effects to, uh, to enhance the dew point. I could talk forever about, um, you know, how great was the return of the cheek cam for a second match winning <laughs> try. Um, the hilarity around Benji Marshall failing to drop out within the required 30 seconds. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I have. Well, I've seen it penalised once before. Right. You know who it was, don't you? It'll be the only, the only be team that player. was previously penalised was Canberra. Guess, yep. And it was like the ball was in the air on the buzzer and they still penalised. Oh, sure. boy. Do they actually penalise for the scrum? I've seen that, yeah. I've definitely I, seen that. I, I, I think at least once a week the scrum goes, and and the scrum alarm goes off, and they just play on. It's got to be something. They're not going to attract people into the shot clock operator role if it never actually <laughs> leads to a penalty. Are it's they? just so, ceremonial. So I think if it's just on the margin, they'll just go, we just give them one just to keep them interested, yeah. and, you know, make, make yeah. it valid. Uh, two streakers, Souths. No, 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 again. no. There's, people have been saying streakers. They are not streakers. It's, These are pitch invaders. This is lame. This is nothing. Is, is that South? How many losing? How many, they're on a five-game losing streak, Redfern Pat? Four-game losing streak. And it, what says loser more than running on the field fully clothed? Yeah, if you're going to get fined five grand and banned for a year... Get your gear off. 100%. And it was the Roosters... Kitty, who set the trend earlier this year, and you talk about wanting to rub grubbiness out of the game, get the clothes off pitch invaders and turn them into streakers. We, we haven't had streakers since Watty. Since Watty oh. in, the, in Origin, we haven't had a proper streaker, a proper nut-up. But everyone's talking about what you were reflecting on earlier there in your um, musical poetry, Dennis, and that was the uh, George Burgess alleged gouge. How did you see it? Well, I saw it... As opposed to Robbie Farrah. <clears throat> well, Robbie ha- had his eyes closed, so he had no, uh, no vision of it. Um, where the finger was, it didn't look like he was actually trying to... There's no hook in the finger. He wasn't trying to get the finger in and actually pop the eye out. But if you just take the, the, the pad of your index finger and tap it against your eye, just reasonably softly, it starts to get uncomfortable. Yeah, I've just dazed myself right now. And so <laughs> you can imagine, he, he wasn't just popping it there. He was really... He was pressing in. He was grabbing it. And it was pretty clear that his finger was looking for a spot. It just looked so awful. I and, just, and Robbie, you know, Robbie's not a dobber. <laughs> Robbie's not a sook. <laughs> so it's not like he's going to come out and make a false accusation, is he? But he was clearly, he was righteously indignant. For, for me, it, it just was George in, instinctively going back to his mining roots. You know, like he's north of England. <laughs> they're a proud mining country. And he he's just... trying to dig something out. Yeah, well, I thought Robbie Farah's gold feelings, perhaps. He was just going through the wrong orifice. Oh, possibly. But what, what... Coming in from the top. And that, that could be it for George and the bunnies. You know that he he might be moving on. Well, it is as uh, as as the judiciary record was reflected in the song. It is, it is his go. Yeah, it's it is his, his go. go. And you know, throwing throwing bottles at Kane Evans or shoulder charges or chicken wings, he's got the lot. And so this is um, he does have a significant loading on this one, having had one against Darlene Watane Zelezniak in the uh, Test match last year, and he got four weeks for that. So. When, when, does that come down today or tomorrow? What are we preempting? Uh, Tuesday, they're meeting. Uh, so. Tuesday, they're meeting yeah. tomorrow. So yeah. we're, we're recording this on the Monday. That's right. Um, yeah, the word, the tip I heard was eight weeks, um, but it's a he gets a fifty percent loading. So whatever he gets, he gets fifty percent on top. If you heard a tip of nine weeks, you were saying earlier that that'll be put that'll put him at thirteen and a half weeks out. And how many weeks to go in the season? Nine. The bunny's got to buy this weekend. Yeah, you know that doesn't count as a week of suspension. And of course. It's the butterfly effect, isn't it? Because Robbie got up, thought Damien Cook 
had gone the, the gouge. <laughs> yeah. And Cook, Cook, not really thinking, says it's like when your missus accuses you of something. And isn't that just such a rugby league term, the missus? It's like the missus accuses you of something and you've done nothing on this occasion. So what was Cook confessing to there? <laughs> so, you know, George, not only has he let his club down, he's let his teammates down in a very, very direct way. I, I think mean, he's let his wife down as well. Damien Cook's relationship is in tatters this morning as a result of George's heinous act. <laughs> but that's rugby league. Now the Dragons and Cowboys. Uh, the very no, no, this is obviously sad and serious. There was a, a bad motor accident uh, on the M1, and that caused huge traffic delays, which prevented a number of fans from getting to the game. And some of the players had to be quite innovative as how they got there. Uh, Jeremy Lattimore, Lats, yes, has you know who will be in the Hall of Fame for um, hitting Cameron Smith in the wheels. Last season. Or was it last season? I think it was last season. Or was it two seasons? It was a highlight. Um, he uh, left like his yesterday. car by the side of the road and hitched a ride on a motorbike. That's fantastic, isn't it? And this is actually... The fact that it was Lats. Of all people, it was Lats. There's, this, there's a person that works at the ABC who's formerly a teammate of Lats, I believe, uh, Luke Lewis. And Luke Lewis has one of his thousands of games that he's constantly playing because he's an 11-year-old child that can't focus on his schoolwork. Um, is the lats game, which is where you're talking to someone and you look them in the eye and you just briefly look over their shoulder and put your hands up and go, G'day, lats, as if you've just seen lats over their shoulder. And he does this at every football game. He's doing it all the time, constantly, knowing that at one point, Jeremy Lattimore is going to walk past. <laughs> and, and when it does, and it, it happened the other day that Jeremy Lattimore walked past the person that he was playing G'day, lats with. And the, yeah, it's like the world stopped as Jeremy Ladrock, the real one, went walked past. Oh, get a groover! Well, if this certain motorbike rider looked over his shoulder, there was Lats. And, <laughs> Lucky for him. And this will now be known as doing a Sturlo, because <laughs> Sturlo tells the story. And I mean, Sturlo is in the press this week. Uh, he was going to the Tooth Cup final at Leichhardt Oval against Balmain. What is that? Eighties? I was there at that game. I think that's seventies. Of course you were. Yeah. Well, maybe it's early eighties, but uh, and but you weren't a ball boy, were you? And you know, and this this is strikes close to my heart. Uh, huge traffic snarl on the Glazewell Bridge, and he said to his dad, "Dad, I'm not going to make it." And so he goes, "I'm hopping out and seeing what I can do for an alternative means of transport." Hops out, hails a motorbike, and goes, "Mate, I've got to get to the final. Can you help out?" And the motorbike guy goes, "Hop on," and then actually left the road and went through a bus shelter, <laughs> scattering passengers. And Sterlo says. I'm not in that much of a hurry. But, but the good news is he was there by kickoff, but his father did miss kickoff, so, but for that uh, unnamed motorbike driver. so um, Who is this hero? We need, to have a, we need to unmask this hero. I hope he's still with me. The, the big uh, takeaway from that game, of course, was not the bad chicken salad bowl that Paul Vaughan <laughs> ate, which uh, many wasn't feeling too flash, but still put in a decent performance. It was the controversy around the Tarek Sims late hit on Michael Morgan. Did you see it? And what did you think of it? Look, I have to say, I didn't see it, so I can't say what I thought of it. Okay, well, I did see it. Can you tell us? Can you please tell us? It, so it looks to me like, you know, the, the, he was the wrapping the arm, so it wasn't a shoulder charge. Wrapping motion, yeah. It looked like the head contact was really head on Separation head. Separation between elbow yeah. and ribs. But it was around timing, and mm. it's right on the margin. He's been hit with grade two. Oh, I thought you were saying it's around timing. It's yeah. just about origin yeah. time. Now, hang on, which one's... Oh, was it... Is Tariq, is he the Queenslander? Is he born no, no, in he's Gerringong, New South Wales. He's, hey, he's born in Gerringong, New South Wales. Right, that's right. Not Corbin, who's born in Gerringong, Queensland. Correct. With his sister, Rowan, who's born in Gerringong, Australia. Correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. And if he can get it down to a grade one, he won't miss origin. But it's a lot of bad blood with the coaches. Paul Green, who 
does seem to be getting increasingly cranky. Said it was yeah. late and it was high. And yeah. it happens all the time. Mary goes, oh, he's whinging again, is he? He whinged about Freddie last week. Now it's us. He just needs to move on. I love seeing two coaches who don't get on. Oh, they clearly don't. And then also, too, well, I would have thought Paul Green's the crankier of the two. Um, Mary does seem like the sort of lovable guy that, uh, well, he's, he's obviously so lovable that he's stayed at the coaching there for years and years despite not having a particularly good record. Yeah, that Green is cranky because he's been to the promised land. He knows he'll never get back. Mary still clings on to some sort of gossamer hope <laughs> that the Dragons will one day get there. So he's got to appear happier. Like yep. you, you, Most coaches have to accept their fate at some stage. Mary hasn't yet. Yep. Green is already, I know I'm about to get fired. Green did look happy when, when the Cowboys won, didn't he? Well, that was he it. Was, he, was in the, he was in that box. He was he fists in the air. There was cuddles. He was looking real happy. I don't think I've seen him happy before or since. Uh, depressing news. With the, Speaking me, of Paul Green. Yeah, the Melbourne Storm, six points clear after <sighs> their victory over the Roosters. Yeah, no, it's a, the, the hope that I'm holding on to there is that what you love is you see that team that wins every game, that only loses one game in the season. And that game's a grand final. And that, that, there'd be nothing more heartbreaking. So I'm, I'm hoping for that one to happen. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love that. That narrative is so beautiful. that. It... Well, it was familiar, familiar territory on Friday night at Adelaide Oval. You saw Cameron Smith. You hear the audio from the referee. You've questioned my integrity, Cameron, <laughs> and only gets marched 10 metres. <laughs> like anyone else, you're gone. Yep. So it obviously wasn't Chech. No, and Bellamy, you know, they had the, the the box cam on him. So there was, uh, down the stretch, Ryan Pappenhausen returned it from the in-goal area and dashed and found out a car on the inside and then threw an ill-considered pass. And uh, the um, you, you saw uh, it, the camera on Bellamy and he's excited and then he's furious and he runs to the back of the coaching box and then he actually disappears. <laughs> and he's... And, I put it on the Fire Up Facebook page. The amazing Bellamy, you know, the master beautiful. illusionist. It's, so has he has he prepared? Because a proper illusionist prepares the scene beforehand. So Correct. I'm wondering if he was there on on the Thursday night with a saw and a hammer and a screwdriver, and he's carved himself a little hole so he could just drop down out of there, Houdini like, and disappear. And if you look carefully, uh, injured fullback Jerome Hughes is in the box, and when Bellamy disappears, you just see Hughes's eyes just sort of turn to the side and go. Can't say anything, can't say anything. Yeah, well, he's the perfect assistant for a, a master magician because he has that moustache. That's right. It's a perfect. And, and it's not Jerome, it's Jarom. Jarom. And if that was Bellamy good, Bellamy bad was... <laughs> Adokar was uh, uh, ruled to have knocked the ball on uh, and it looked like he might have been able to sort of wedge it in his feet and not actually knock it on. And <laughs> it cuts to Bellamy and he goes, he held it, you... Um, let me go... Uh, he held it, you, Michael Lucking, Carmichael Hunt, now Ben Hunt. <laughs> and that's clearly what Bellier thinks of our referees. He adores them. Oh, what's not to love about Bellamy? He does. It's beyond hard on sleeve stuff. And if we're talking grubs, Vunavalu, <laughs> he is a shocker. He's stamped on Boyd Cordner's hand. And that's just, that's just, that's just a day out. No, hey, hang on. Where's Vunavalu play? He's, he's out in the wing? Yeah. Yes. Now he's is, has he had a rugby background? I don't know because this is you know if you don't know the finer points of rugby, a, a rugby back rower's job, if the ball is in your scrum, if the half 
puts his hand anywhere near the ball to try and get it out of the forwards into the backs of their own team, it's the job of the back rower to stomp on your own halfback's hand <laughs> to discourage it. Because so I'm wondering if there's something like that that he's he's sort of, but he's not a teammate. I don't know. That that, that could be it. It's just a just. Come from rugby, stomp on other people's hands. Yeah, he's a cat, that's what he is. But um, in, in some of the other games, I mean, Manly beat the Gold Coast. I mean, it's just like dead man walking, Garth Brennan. I mean, even Mel Meninga was laughing about it uh, on one of the, the rugby league shows on the weekend. Yeah, we're doing a review. Yes, we do have a coach. And, <laughs> uh, it's got Kevy Walters written all over it. Yeah, it does. Kevy's, Kevy's all over that. The Knights Broncos... But is, is Kevy going to bring... Do you know? Have you seen the roadmap? I haven't spoken to Bradley about this yet. I don't Do you know. need to? Do you no. Because surely you can just see we, we, the signs We're still on in the Origin, road. Dennis. We haven't talked about okay. the future. We've only got the immediate future to discuss. All right. Uh, I don't know if you saw Knights Broncos, but um, Darius Boyd is getting painful. Yeah, he doesn't really like to tackle. No. So which is why he's better off hiding at fullback and, and you know... Making the odd vain heroic attempt at a, at a line break, at, at, at snuffing out a line break. But uh, in the line, you know, unlike our Jackie Boy Whiten, who we won't talk about him this week. How many errors from Jackie Boy? <clears throat> uh, yep. <laughs> Got them all out. Got them all out. Um, yeah, he does like to defend in the line. Actually loves it. Whereas Darius, quite the opposite. That game had a very, it was won by the Knights, but had a very unseemly finish. There was a post uh, whistle. Um, push and shove that went um, through several iterations. Now, are there any? Because that's again that that whole incident was referred to the judiciary. Was they it? didn't didn't report anyone. They said the whole incident is on report. So the whole, does that mean that at Newcastle fans, all twenty five thousand Newcastle fans, <laughs> are they going to be dragged into the judiciary as witnesses? Because it wasn't normally they'll put you know. This person, this person's seeing yep. arm, but it was all. Were there punches thrown? Not that I could see. What, what to me again? Another consequences of punches being outlawed essentially is that the game is descending into the mire that is rugby union because it actually just looked like a rugby mall, and that it had gone off the field a little bit. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, we need to do something about this blight on the game. Well, you see what it. it, it you look at Rugby Australia right now, the Brumbies have just lost their Jaguares and have been knocked out. So with the... They haven't played... We've mentioned this before on this very show, that Australian rugby died with the Johnny Wilkinson field goal. You can see that the carcass is barely moving. Why would you try and copy it? Why would you try and introduce rucks and malls into rugby league? It's just so strange. That game, by the way, as far as the Broncos are concerned, was brought to us by Splat Lawyers, which is... <laughs> Now, they've got to be a workers' comp firm, haven't they? I don't know. I mean, accidents <laughs> and things. They don't sound like a commercial litigation firm to me. It's they a, really don't. It is a beautiful name, though. Yeah, we'll, we'll look into that. Speaking of looking into things, at one stage in the um, regular season matchup, uh, the Raiders led Parramatta by a combined 35-zip yeah, up they at had, Darwin. Yep, yep. They went on to lose. Shut out. What, what went on there? Oh, just... I think it was just a flashback. You know, it was like a retro round kind of thing. It's like... You know, I think it was for the Raiders fans to go, that's right, this is what it used to feel like. Because I, I felt like putting on a, a comfortable old pair of leather boots. That is just that warm feeling of being 16-0 up and playing like absolute geniuses and then absolutely falling apart. While I was sad, there was a comfort in it. 
There was a warmth. There was a well. There was in Darwin. I'm home. Well, there there was it. There was in Darwin, and I, and I like that Ricky's choosing not to blame the fact that they were again. They went to Darwin literally via Melbourne yep. and had a thirty hour delay. He chose not to blame the fact that that they are you know the ice warriors from the north, um, and that half of the team you know this morning in Canberra it's minus four, yep. and they'd be much more comfortable with that playing in thirty degree heat with humidity. What a horrific thing to do! But you know the the eels had the same thing. I think it was just a traditional Raiders shutdown. For me, the highlight was the fact that both coaches were wearing shorts. And uh, Bradwater was on the waters deluxe. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he? He was, he'd he was clearly socking them down. Needed to rehydrate. I would have been fascinated by how much uh, fluid he put out. At what particular point? A bit about you at the uh, People's Choice Awards. <laughs> well, I suspect he would have been sweating it out, you see. So he would have been, No, it was a good idea to keep himself rehydrated. I did like that. If I can just package up the last two games. It was Brad Arthur too, not Brad Walters. Did I say Brad Walters? He said Brad Walters. Love Brad Walters' work, though. Yeah, no, terrific. Doing great work for NRL.com. Hello, Brad. Shout out, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Brad Arthur. Goodness (laughs) me. Uh, It's been a long night for me. Similar mistake to make. Easy mistake to make. (laughs) On Fire Up, I said that uh, I gave a quote from Udo Kier from a Warhol movie, and Stephen goes, Flesh for Frankenstein. I said, No, no, it's Blood for Dracula. And it was Flesh for Frankenstein. I feel so bad about that. Uh, I'll just package up the last two games, Panthers, Warriors, Dog Sharks, as absolute shocking performance from the bunker. I mean, <laughs> like Bankwest Stadium, all that money that's been invested. Uh, this is a news break, news flash from us. No one's ever mentioned this bunker. Waste of time. Oh, wow. Yeah, there were some great calls in there. there and the Panthers some... were down to 11. And you know what? They were brave, resilient, and victorious. Incredible. Which doesn't often come together, doesn't, no. It doesn't happen. But uh, Fusatua's try, the hand was in touch. And... And Luai was, you know, being for tripping uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek. And I've, again, on the Facebook page, taken the still of Jerry Sutton, who was not looking. And therefore, I can only assume he was tipped off by someone else. It was it was, it was the other ref. And Jerry was actually was complaining about it. Cause you, you can hear on the broadcast, you can hear the, uh, the ref's microphone. And um, Jerry's saying, what for? What for? So penalty here, penalty here. What for? What for? And there was clear... He knocked the ball on, and the referee who called it was behind him. And what he's seen is the player running past behind, and he has clipped his leg. But it's not like a, a stick. It's not like a George Burgess stick the leg out to draw, or a um, Josh. Who's the Josh? The trips. Former a tiger. Former well, Josh Reynolds. Not the, not the Josh Reynolds grub stick out the leg and trip. It's run through and he's clipped the ankle. But it's you know the ball is two meters forward of his hands by the time he's lost it. And you can see Jerry Sutton, and I love you, Jerry. You know I love you. You can see him going, what, what, what? And then they show him the replay, and you can see Jerry go. You can hear him go, oh, <laughs> no. And in a similar vein, uh, the Sharks' second try was allowed after uh, Nakora had clearly knocked on, having had the ball knock loose. Sort of mm. just been a penalty. And what's even more bizarre, these bunker howlers didn't affect the – well, didn't in the end, the teams that suffered the howlers won. What I'd love to see is – is what the rule is on what's a knock-on. Because now, sometimes, if you drop a kick, sometimes it's a knock-on, sometimes it's not. Whether it's gone... It's almost regardless of whether it's gone forwards or backwards. It's not a physics question anymore. It's a vibe thing. It's a vibe thing. Yeah, it is. And and when the ball is stripped out, if I have the ball and I'm running forward and someone then grabs it out of me, I've necessarily lost it forward into their possession. But sometimes they'll call that a knock-on against me. Sometimes they'll call it a strip. Some, like it, it just... I, I, You're looking I don't, for consistency, Dennis. This is rugby league. You won't get I it. I don't have clarity around it. You will not I don't get have, it. No, I won't. And that one, yeah. So that, that, that knock-on, which went on to be a try, that was... Um, 
Yeah, that was curious. So I think the round asked more questions than it provided answers. Once again, and thankfully with Rugby League, there's next week to answer the questions, but it will pose more. And only half the amount because there's only four games because it's origin time and we're going to bring in Redfern Pat, our resident Rugby League expert because you, me and Ferris know nothing. (laughs) Origin is being selected tonight. Well, this morning. Yes. A few questions to be asked as Redfern Pat gets his technology in order. What's going to happen in the selection rooms, Pat? So I think we're the last show to air or come out before the teams are announced, like the Queensland teams probably announce like right now. I don't think that you'd take the easy option, wouldn't you? Try and keep stuff the same as much as possible. Well, Ponga's gone. Ponga's gone. So uh, you think they leave Munster in place and put Milford at fullback? I'm hearing Corey Norman. Corey Norman. At I'm, fullback. Yes. The humanity. And I'm hearing Napa and Wallace are both axed. I spin Jairo's coming back, is he? No, I think Jairo is still... I think he's still injured. He's still right. injured. Um, I would be surprised if they... I think they'd like to drop Napa. I don't think they can, unfortunately. They don't have enough personnel. Yeah. Queensland's running out of But you'd think that um, the boy Welch comes in for yes. Arrow. Yes. He's there. Oh, no, for Wallace. For Wallace, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, yeah, they'd love to drop Napa, but I don't think they can. What about Pappenhausen? I would love... I would love... Oh, well, if you're talking uh, Queensland fullbacks, actually, they can do yeah. something right out of left field and put the... Uh, uh, chin fat in from Northern Pride. Oh, CFAS Chin Fat, the Northern Pride fullback. Taken over Cade Custer's the name of the year from the sounds of it. On the uh, blue side, the word this morning is that uh, uh, Clemmer will not be selected and he's sticking with Saifidi. Well, wouldn't it be between um, Clemmer and Sims? Yeah, well, and Sims might get rubbed out, so yeah. Clemmer will come in. I would but, probably have Clemmer over Sims anyway if Sims is fit. Oh, I'd, I'd just love to see it if they, if they pull. Um, the other Sims brother in. Who's the big brother that's playing for the Wolfpack? Uh, Ashton. 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 So yeah. you obviously can't get Ashton, but if they could get Sims on Sims, Friday night, fight night. That, that is the dream. Did we want origin. to clear up the, the Sims selection? Um, their representative, where they all stand. So you've got Corbin, Queensland, Fiji. Tarek, New South Wales, Fiji. Ashton, just Fiji. Ruan, New South Wales, Australia. There you go. That is, yeah, that was all grew up in the one house in Jeringong. With another Sims. Cronin Territory. Yeah, but they did they did move up to Queensland when one of the boys was 12, which made him eligible because he played some... Yeah, the other siblings, card, right? Sims card. No, that's not right. Um, <laughs> and on the blue side of things, uh, where would you go with the halfback conundrum? Assuming Nathan Cleary will be selected, I believe... But if he's not past fit, what would you do, Redfern Pat? I love Wade Graham. I don't. I think because him and Gordon yeah, play the same. Oh. <laughs> There's another dating show. Um, <laughs> that uh, like because he plays the same spot as Boyd Cordner on the left second row. So I would love like he keeps coming on as an impact player, and I don't think impact players work because you get like the Josh Reynolds syndrome of you come on and you got to do something and you're over aroused. You're over, yeah. Um, so I would love to see him get 80 minutes at 5'8". Uh, I don't think that they... Is it Wade Graham? Yeah, but I don't think they have the cojones to do that. So what are you going to do? Uh, I would think... Well, I would go Wade Graham. I think they'll select Cleary and Maloney and have Madison in as the 25th man sure, or the 27th. and Cleary's out. So then what would you do, Pat? I told you, I would go Graham. I think they'll pick Cleary. And, and then- <laughs> oh, so then... <laughs> he just doesn't want to say the two words. Mitchell Pierce. I don't think it'll ha- I can't see it happening. Can't see it happening? I can't see it happening. Well, we'll find out 
uh, this time next week, we'll, well know most of our selected, right? most of the people listening to this will know. They will know. Yeah. So, so, so uh, we'll wrap wow. and pack at his wish. Uh, we'll have more Origin chat before the game next week. It goes on and on, doesn't it? But it is a, yet again a watershed for the concept because the news is that ratings are down, and Danny Wadler made a magnificent point, which is it's still the highest rating show on television, but this year just ahead of Maths, Married at First Sight. And he's, he's come out the insight that it's much cheaper to make than Origin and almost rates as well. I want you guys to work on this concept. Can we confuse Married at First Sight? Can we confuse them or yeah. fuse them? Can we fuse them? Can we make them together? Well, you know, Redfern Pat's just put in his pitch for Wade Graham. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we could. There, were, I mean, there, was the famous, there was the famous interstate pash after the women's uh, yes. Origin last year. Um, I don't think that's at first sight, though. I think they were oh, they very were, much... Yeah, they looked so like they were... So yeah. they're scratched. So Unless they, they can't come that out. was... I think that would be the uh, the wrong way you go, though, because you want people who don't like each other to be married. Yeah. They look like they were very much oh, happy. Okay, so you're talking like a, a, a Josh Maguire... Yeah. Up with, uh, who, yeah. ...with Maloney. Well, maybe. you see, it, my idea would be uh, that what you do is, because the talent pool is particularly thin when it comes to coaching... Like there's probably about only three people who can coach, as far as I can tell. But Bellamy, Stewart, and no, <laughs> Bellamy, Robbo, and Supercoach Bennett, Robbo. right? It's basically you put the clubs and the coaches, and you and there's there's a raffle. Or, oh or yeah, we discussed barrel. this before. And Love this yeah, idea. Yeah, the yeah. Gold Coast Titans are now being coached by Dean Pay, something like that, <sighs> and they coach at first sight, and we watch how it all unfolds. Coaching at first sight. So what you see behind the scenes, the game is just a, is an up. The okay, game so is the is commitment is, ceremony. Traditionally, the, the coaches say, you know, it's, it's unfair to sack the coach on the performance of the team when he hasn't selected the team. Correct. So once the coach gets the team he wants, that's when the, the coach should be able to do his best. He's got a vision for how a team should be structured, Brian Smith style. Right. But you're saying, bugger that. Here you go, coach. Here you go, Bellamy. Here's a bunch of duds. Without Cameron Smith... And see how you go. This He's is done a, that before. This is not the team you want. Well, this is the team you've got. Well, you and, what, and what happened when Bellamy had to coach a team of duds that didn't have Cameron Smith? They lost the origin series. That's exactly what happened. It'll raid its head off. You could just have like blank jerseys, random players, paper bags over their heads, and you say to the coach, you've got to go and coach these unknowns and see who comes out on top. It's sounding a bit like the, the recruit was the AFL one. What was the... Uh, the, rookie. the rookie. The rookie. Yeah. It's sounding a little bit like that. I don't know if that rated that well. It didn't come back for a second season. Yeah, because no one knew the it's, players. Yeah. Oh, so you this then, is a different thing. Back then they didn't. Yeah, they, Jordan we, Martin's a household name now. I'm just True. saying, <laughs> Rugby League 2020, we start afresh. But before that, we will be back to uh, wrap up the truncated round 16 and be very nervous on the eve of origin as Stephen Ferris's future DJ career, like the concept itself, Hangs is in the balance. clearly at stake. This has been More Fired Up on the Diamantina Podcast Network. We thank you for your time, and we thank you for Rugby League. Fire, 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 fire.